yeah, just a little bit of gabbing jam, and that was a little bit of pleasure from Glide, which is kind of going to take you into what we're going to talk about today. So, Okay, so today uh, we're still doing Blockvember. If you've been uh, keeping track, uh, we're knee-deep in it right before Thanksgiving now. Um, but we have a viewer question that we decided to do a special video for. What is weird about this question is that it opened the door on a bigger question, which is the reason why we're doing a dedicated episode. Right. Okay, so the the viewer question, it our question is from Gretchen White. Her YouTube channel is GW3063 and she asked, "What attracted you to one another?" And so because our story uh, revolves around music, it opened up a bigger question and that bigger question was for you, Bruce, what was it? Oh, uh, so we were finishing up a couple of different songs. Mm-hmm. We just um finished up this song called Black Superhero Theme. Yes. So, um, which to me, with that question coming in at the same time, mm-hmm. was kind of apropos because, I mean, that really, that whole period of time, meaning the 1970s, mm-hmm. was a huge, ah, huge influence on why I play. Period. Okay. You know, why I play music. But kind of now going back to the question mm-hmm. is that I think it's really unique that you and I did come together because I was born in Henderson, Nevada, mm-hmm. you know, on close to the West Coast, mm-hmm. and you were born in New York. Mm-hmm. So you were born in New York City, mm-hmm. right? So we were light years apart. Mm-hmm. And the fact that most people stay in the area in which they are born, mm-hmm. you're born and reared and you're raised in the same area, you just rarely just go out unless, you know, you go off of college or something like that, mm-hmm. maybe that would happen. But for us, you know, um, we didn't meet in college. We ended up meeting in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It just so happened my parents got a divorce. My mother had people lived here in Detroit. And so we were going back and forth between Detroit and and um, Vegas. And my mom decided for myself and my brother that we were going to live here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And that was circa like 1978. And mm-hmm. then for you. Oh, my mom is what I call a black gypsy. We moved some everywhere. Out of people. <laughs> right. So we moved somewhere everywhere, and one of the places that she really was impressed by when she came for a conference uh, was Detroit. And she's like, "Black people run things, and it's, it's just so progressive." And and that was in the '70s. So in the '80s, yeah. early '80s, '83, uh, we moved here. Okay. She was like, "We're picking up everything, and this is where we're going." So yeah, and so uh, about that, about '86, '80, I don't know. It was '86. It was '86. Mm-hmm. So '86 uh, or so, '85, '86. You know, I started doing some recording, okay. and um, and I started wanting to use more female vocalists on some songs. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had one song before that I used a female vocalist on, and I ended up using her and you mm-hmm. on another song that I was mm-hmm. working on, and I, and I got you through a friend of mine. Yeah. And I know for me, I had been in bands previously where, you know, you know, guys were always hitting on the, you know, the women or the girls that were in the band and, mm-hmm. and to me it just it got in the way of the music and mm-hmm. it was like you know I, I know for me I just that just seemed like such a cliche right that you know whoever comes to sing for you now you gotta be hitting on them and trying to no it's like you know I, I wanted to keep things strictly business mm-hmm. and that was just the way it was gonna be mm-hmm. and so when um, a friend of mine brought you over to my mom's house mm-hmm. to meet me um 
I tried to keep it strictly business. Right. So. I was three weeks out of high school, and he was about to turn 21. Yes, so. about to turn 21 years old. Yeah. So, so our initial meeting was like, you know, I, I really didn't think of her that way. Uh-huh. Try my best to not focus on that. And, and I didn't want to think of him that way either because guys in bands are usually jerks from what all the people that I have been associated with. So I, it was strictly business. Yeah, it was strictly business. And then um, after a while, once I decided I wanted to use it on the song, I think I, we talked. Mm-hmm. We had telephone conversations mm-hmm. and, you know, we tend to talk for a long period of time and <laughs> one thing kind of led to another and well, I just really was impressed with the the fact that he seemed to have his stuff together. That he had a unique sound, that he was rock, that he had all these finished songs that were recorded. And it wasn't so much the up-and-comer part of it, but it was that he had his own vision and voice. That it wasn't like, you know, all the people at the time that I saw were all trying to be Prince. And even though you had a corner of Prince, you had a lot of rock. And you had your own ideas that were, like, separate from Prince. You know, not everything was, you know, it, you had real definite ideas about things. So, well, that was impressive. And I, I also like that about her. She had her own definite sound. She had her own way of just doing music. And she had her own songs, had her own ideas. And I thought that that was really, to me, that, that, that really impressed me. And actually, I felt like she had more of a voice than I did. Because at the same token, you know, at that period of time... Um, anytime I would play something for somebody, I would always say, oh, you just sound like Prince. You know, and so mm-hmm. people would say that type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, or even sometimes, you know, um, you know, you hear Prince or Rick James or something, you know, but, but the fact that I would even hear Prince at all, it, it would bother me mm-hmm. to some extent. And so, um, what I ended up doing during that period of time is that every Prince cassette, they were doing cassettes. Right. Every Prince cassette I have, I gave them away. Oh. I, I just, I gave away <laughs> everything that was connected to Prince. Because so kind of branch off into your own. Right. I, I just did music. not want to have him as being a part of my musical vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, until one of the things that I started to realize is that Prince and I basically had the same musical DNA. Right. So in some ways, it was going to be almost impossible to avoid him because mm-hmm. growing up, you know, we like the same groups. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite groups was Grand Central Station. Yeah. One of my favorite groups was Sly and the Family Stone. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I got into Jimi Hendrix later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I loved Ohio Players. I loved just all of that 70s stuff growing up. James Brown, all that. The mm, funk, funky, you know. Right. Uh, Parliament Funkadelic. You know, Electrifying Mojo. Before Electrifying Mojo here in Detroit, he is yes. a legendary, yes. legendary DJ here in Detroit. And I used to listen to him too, so I didn't know Bruce was listening on the other side of town. Right. So, yeah. so I mean, before he got into Prince, he was Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, he was Parliament Funkadelic mm-hmm. all day, all night. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was listening to at mm-hmm. that time. So, you know, Prince was. All that stuff was a gateway drug to Prince mm-hmm. in the first place because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it kind of opened you yeah. up. So, and then, yeah, I mean, I heard Stanley Clark and Prince's stuff. I, yeah. I guess I heard all the stuff that I had been listening to. So after a while, I think I got to a point where I had to again get at peace with the fact that you know Prince is just just musical juggernaut and genius that's out there that you can't avoid anyway. Yeah. And then number two, that you just 
you share some of the same influences. Yeah. And some of that stuff is going to come uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. It's going to come out the same way. And then some of it is because you are influenced by them. So, yeah. you know, I had to kind of get at peace with that and say, you know, notwithstanding that fact, you can still find your own voice. Yeah. So, um, I... I think we can make a segue to the other thing. Yeah. Okay. And so that kind of brings me into why I got started in music. Okay. I guess for me, I can't tell you actually why I got started in music because all I can say is that I've wanted to do it ever since I've been here. Wow. So ever since I've had, you know, any type of memory in my head. About what you wanted to do. Right. Wow. You know, so I've, I've done that and I feel like I've always had a song. So I've always, from a kid on, you know, whether four or whatever, there was always a song in my head. So, so at that that thing, I I know I have. But then it was what is going to feed that, and what is going to, you know, how is that going to come out? And I think that's where, to me, the influences come in at. So seeing the Jackson Five when I was younger, growing up, it, it fascinated me with the guitars. Oh, yeah. So that 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 you know, and it's like, oh man, I want to play guitar. And, know if I wanted to play bass, whatever it was, mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. And then, you know, later when I heard Sly and I started to get into Sly and the Family Stone and then Ohio Players and the rest of these people, it was just, again, it, it just opened me up to just, just open my palate up as mm-hmm. far as musically, all the different things you can do. But I think I honed in on bass. After I really heard, um, well, A, I found out that Jermaine Jackson played the bass and then oh, played the guitar. So that broke my heart initially. <laughs> and my cousin really kind of broke it down very logically to me. He just counted the strings on, he said, Aww. yeah, oh, look at the guitar Tito has. It has six strings. The one that Jermaine has, it has four oh, strings. Aw. I was like, God, he's using logic on it. Right. Now, I couldn't deny that logic. So after a while, he was a bass player. And so that made me really start focusing in on bass when I was hearing songs. And so um, what really did it for me was uh, the guys on my block. Mm-hmm. You know, when we came to Detroit and I lived on a street called Harding Street. And there was this guy down the street from me. Um, he used to play with his little brother. And I used to go down there and play with his little brother. And I hate to say this, um, you know, I did it just so I could hear Bernard play. And (laughs) so, and Bernard would, he opened up a whole world to me. A, uh, he was was playing along with uh, Larry Graham's Mirror album. So this would have been 75, 76. And Grand Central Station Mirror. And he's playing with that record. And he showed me two things. A, I really was able to hone in on the bass and how great it sounded. Mm-hmm. And then number two was the fact that you could teach yourself how to play. Mm-hmm. So, I, you mm-hmm. know, my parents didn't necessarily want to give me lessons. But all of a sudden it was like, there's a way to do You can teach yourself. I love it. You can teach yourself. And so that, that was the main thing. And then what really sold me was Stanley Clark. When I heard Stanley Clark, because yeah, he like, played the bass and the guitar all in one, all at the same time, his <laughs> bass and guitar all together. That was just it was like that's it. That's right. I'm, There's I'm a way to do going both. to be a bass player wow. after that. You, you can do it all on the bass. So then the rest is history because yeah. after that, then that leads me to meeting you. Yeah. And, and, it and I just wrote songs because it's something creative to do. I like to do creative things. So. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's sort of like, I, you know, I don't know where you fall at on a strata, you know, meaning that I don't know what makes a person a great artist. I don't know what makes a person a mediocre artist. But I do know if you are, if you've been bitten by this artistic bug, mm-hmm. 
that um, you can't choose to turn it off. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. like it, you just can't. I mean, the bug will hit you, and uh-huh. it will it will find a way to manifest itself, yeah. and that's that's just what it does. And so, um, being an artist, I think is more of a verb. You know, to mm-hmm. me, than than a title. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's it's actually what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you see everything a little differently, and it it expresses itself differently. It does, and 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 it just automatically kind of goes that way. So, so I guess it, within you and me, there's a certain kindred spirit. You yeah. know, because I think you probably had the same thing as far as because I know even for me, learning how to play songs. Initially, I didn't develop my ear until later. Mm-hmm. I played what was in my head, so mm-hmm. I would play the songs that I was hearing in my head mm-hmm. and so my first songs that I learned were songs that I wrote yeah me too I, I guess I don't know if it was because I didn't have the skill probably that was part of it but then the other part was that I thought of playing as as being able to produce something right yeah and not just duplicate You're right yeah. so it's being able to make something new Right. So that's the way I was thinking about playing keyboard. Was it? You know, I, I think I always kind of felt self-conscious about that because mm-hmm. I, at, at the time I didn't quite understand how to replicate what other people mm-hmm. played. Mm-hmm. But what did happen for me, what I, I think happened for me, is that down the line, one of the things I didn't have to work on that other people have to work on a lot of times is developing your own voice. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that was the one thing. It's like, okay, I got, I got that part. Yeah. You know, so usually. <laughs> You know, the one thing that I had was people knew when I was playing. Mm-hmm. People knew what my bass playing sounded mm-hmm. like. You know, and then it translated to other things. Like even when we were doing the say. house and the techno uh, music. Or you know? we were playing praise and worship. And then they were thinking the songs that we were covering were our songs. Our original songs. So, but really they weren't. So, so people, people get to know your yeah. voice after a while. So, yeah. so I think maybe that also that kind of Kendrick spirit aspect also is what kind of pulled us together. So so we hope we answered your question, Gretchen White. Again, November. this is Post a Day for 30 Days. Don't forget, we're having a meetup at South by Southwest coming up uh, beginning of the next year. So if you happen to be in the area, if you want to participate, there's a link below. Also, make sure you keep checking out the blog. And if you're listening on the podcast, we love you, we love you. Again, if you dig the vibe, make sure you subscribe. Until next time, wishing you love, peace, and some chicken grease. Funky grease.